Warning, the following podcast may contain some fits of extreme nerd rage, especially when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. As such, there may be a few colorful pieces of language thrown around. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, and once again to the Wrestling Ramblings of Rages podcast. I am your host, of course, the one and only James Shimo. I am joined by my co-host. First and foremost, he is the one and only Mr. Brenton McPherson. Brenton, how's it going, man? Man, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Just another day living life and loving professional wrestling. Amen and to that. Our good buddy, the one and only Mr. Ryan at Caramel Mountain Pain. Ryan, how's it going, bud? I'm doing pretty good. Just giving myself a bit of a light snack, you know, getting my energy up because all right well we are here ladies and gentlemen because we love the world of professional wrestling and we always love the ability that a lot of pro wrestlers have to talk us into the building to get us invested in what's going on to make us believe in what they're saying and that what they're doing in that ring matters that is what is called cutting a promo ladies and gentlemen and there have been a lot of great ones over the years. One of the more recent ones that comes to mind is the promo that Cody Rhodes cut before he left AEW about how he picked up the ball that basically was left by CM Punk starting that whole revolution with the pipe bomb in 2011, taking it to new heights, doing all the things that CM Punk said he was going to do, like go take a walk and head to New Japan Pro Wrestling or maybe go to Ring of Honor. Cody did all of those things, and it was such a real, such a honest promo from Cody that it got me to thinking what would the three of us consider to be the best promos of all time and that is what we are here to discuss today so each of us has come up with our own top 10 list of the greatest wrestling promos in history and we will run them down as follows the way this will work is Ryan will start with his number 10 then Brenton will go to his number 10 then I will follow with mine then Ryan will pick it up with his number nine, then Brenton, and so on, all the way up until number one. It will follow that exact same format. Now, if at any point we experience commonality on our list, but it is at a different position, for example, if my number 10 happens to be one of their number sevens or number uh, number threes, then we will call for what is a punt, meaning we will just kick that conversation down the line and pick it up wherever it is higher on the other person's list, okay? Hopefully that explains the rules to everybody. And let me tell you, I can speak for all three of us here when I say this was not an easy list to make, was it, Joe? No, 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 no. No, and I swear to God, this this is still a a changing list. Yeah, it is an an ever-evolving process. It really is. So um, let's go ahead and get right into it because, let's face it, we're going to spend enough time yakety-yakking about these different promos and what they mean to us, and this and that. Uh, so I'm not going to take up any more of our audience's time. Ryan, what is your number 10 pick for the best promo of all time in the world of wrestling? Now, for my 10, I picked this one because, well, two things. Um, one, it got, when I saw that, when I got to watch this video clip, it, it, well, it reintroduced me to this wrestler who I honestly only came into later on during the late 90s and thought nothing of this guy. And 
The second reason is because of the massive impact it made in changing the landscape of wrestling. My number 10 is Shane Douglas at NWA choosing in his promo as he chooses to jump ship from NWA to officially make himself ECW champion, kicking off Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yeah, uh, that was on my honorable mentions. Uh, Britton, was it on your list? No, it was not. Yeah. Okay. That is a great, but I will say that 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 is a that was a great promo. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'll be very quick with it. Look, I'm not that very familiar with Shane Douglas. I only knew him a little bit from like some of the er, earlier stuff, like from his WWF run when he was Dean Douglas. The whole Uh issue of the whole controversy around him with the Intercontinental Championship. I saw him a little bit on WCW during those times when he was the franchise. Didn't know I only I knew nothing about his ECW career until I got more and more into wrestling. But for a while, a lot of fans were talking about this promo he cut on NWA when he won the uh, I believe uh, I forgot the championship, but I think it was an NWA championship. It was the NWA World's title. It was the ten pounds of gold. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was the ten pounds of gold or if it was another championship in NWA because they had a lot of championships in their separate divisions, but. This was around the time when NWA was kind of uh, faltering. Not kind of, they were faltering. They were losing their audience. And Paul Heyman was still part of NWA at the time. And uh, in this promo, ECW, once he beats Two Cold Scorpio for that championship, watching that video, it looked like he's about to have this passion speech about how he's going to carry the company. But then he makes that swerve about he does not want to be part of a dying ship. And when he grabs the ECW title, which was called the Eastern Championship Wrestling, yeah. and starts going into Extreme Championship Wrestling, that, man, looking at it now, I mean, yeah, ECW dot had a short life. But during that time, what it stood for and what it gave to fans is so much that even 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 was a even was a supernova that burned bright and died young. It is still something that the, the 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 vibrations of the impact it made is still felt today. And on and this is where it kicked off with Shane Douglas's speech, with his promo, and of course with Paul Heyman following suit as well. Yeah, no, I mean this was great. I mean he he brought up you know the history of the NWA World Title, the Ric Flairs, the Harley races, the Dusty Roads. And of course, he he caps it off with this line, and they can all kiss my ass. And then he just throws the title on the ground. Yeah, seeing him do that, hugely impactful. Uh, so yeah, uh, great choice though. Brent, anything to add? No, I mean, it, just the fact that like it, you know, I'd actually forgotten about that promo, but now that you know, remembering it, it was such an impactful thing because you know. Not just telling, you know, saying that Ric Flair, the, the Ric Flair's, the Holly Races, the Dusty Roads, they get all kisses ass, but throwing that belt, what it signified. Yeah. Throwing it down the way he did was I just. The NWA was not aware that was going to happen. They were. No. And that was like a uh, oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, especially uh, with learning later on, like some of the backstage stuff. Paul Heyman had, you know, gave his word to, I believe, Jim Crocker, at least management, that he was sticking. Because at times there was rumors that there was a lot of wrestlers who were going to jump ship from NWA with the rise of WCW and also with the WWF looked like it's getting into their little, they were finding their ground. And NWA was terrified that they were going to lose more wrestlers. 
And Paul Heyman, uh, at the time, he was one of their head uh, creative men. He says, no, uh, trust me, I'm not leaving you guys, which we do learn after that is like, nope. Paul at that time was selecting his batch of wrestlers, creating their own promotion, doing their own thing. And yeah. even then, um, even though I've only seen a couple of ECW matches from like the WWE Network or from other from YouTube, seeing how Shane Douglas was one of their major was their in was their foundation, and the fact that he was the one like if he if, if he could have because be honest, looking at that promo, it's kind of it reminds me of Hogan's heel turn. Like it could have felt like he could have turned, he could have swerved and stayed with NWA. And then Paul Heyman would have had to announce his intention some other way, honestly. But the fact that he went through with it, like, honestly, that could have gone – this could have been a what-if moment. Like, what if Shane had not decided to leave the NWA? What if he decided to yeah. be that champion? <laughs> All right. Yep. All right, Brenton, what is your number 10 selection? Oh, let me go to pull it up because it took me about 800 years to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> My number 10 – Let's go back to 2001 with Oof. Paul Heyman ripping apart Vince McMahon right before Survivor Series. That was my number 10. Ooh, but <laughs> no, it wasn't right. I have it higher. I have it higher. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, wow. All right, Ryan's got it higher. All right, we will hold on. <laughs> That's okay. hilarious. Hey, this, this, is, this is the way this show works, folks. All right, Thanks, so – yeah, uh, so Brent and I had, had that same number 10. It's a little higher on Ryan's list, so we'll hold off on that conversation. So, Ryan, back to you. What is your number nine, sir? My number nine is Eddie Guerrero's uh, – um, Eddie Guerrero's my number nine, but I was back and forth on this one. I was assigned to pick two speeches at the time where Eddie Guerrero was at his highest, like story-wise and lowest storyline-wise. Uh, and I'm gonna go I know what one of the ones you're talking about. I'm gonna go ahead and just call punt. Yeah, yeah, it's higher on my list. I mean, I, I should say the one, he, the one he cut in the ring with Brock Lesnar when Lesnar was doing the whole shtick with the, the yes. sombrero and everything. Yeah. That's the one I'm picking. Yes, because we're between that and then the moment he turned heel on Ray, where he's in that ring in the light with when he, you know. Uh, talking yeah, about time for Dominic and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but no, yeah. If you're going but I like pick, I like the addiction much better. So that's that's my pick. Yeah, punt. Okay. Yep. All right, uh, Brenton, you're number nine, sir. Uh, here we go. <laughs> I was going to ask if it was on Brenton's list if the Edgar addictions promo. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say, well, we'll let him get back in here in a second. So, building up the suspense here, obviously. <laughs> All right, I'm back. There he is. Okay. No so, uh, yeah, was that one on your list there, Brenton? Uh, no, actually, it was not. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, again, we are punting again. So, your number nine, good sir. Uh, my number nine is the 1992 Ric Flair Royal R Post Royal Rumble. Uh, uh, let's see, where did I have that on my? <laughs> that was my number nine. <laughs> That's an Are mission. you serious? I'm dead serious, dude. <laughs> two for two, man. Nice job, guys. That's an honorable mention for me. Ah, uh, hey, I mean, it works better for some than it does for others. But uh, Brenton, you have the floor, man. Just uh, I, the only, I mean, it was it's down there, you know, I. It, it's not one of the greatest Ric Flair. I mean, it's a great, it's, it's a great promo. It's in the top, it's my top ten. But there, you know, 
it was just it was just a fun promo. Uh, you know, especially him winning, you know, coming in to jumping ship, coming in and being in the Rumble and first time in the Rumble winning and it being for the WWF Championship and him winning it. It was just a fun, just a post-match promo because he played such a cow. You know, he played the perfect heel in that. I mean, he's always been the perfect heel, but just the cowardness, the cowardliness of, you know, being in the rumble. I know, like picking his spots, like staying in the corner, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just shit. I mean, it was classic, just, dirtiest player in the game. There's a reason why he's been given that nickname for so many years because he plays it to perfection. It was just spot on, and that th- that was yeah, that was my number nine. But I think it's hysterical that you and I have had the same number ten. <laughs> uh, dude, if if this pattern keeps going, like well, obviously we know one won't be there because there's one that's on my list that's not on yours. We've already established that, but yeah. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna accuse somebody of stooging this off if, that, if that's the case. Like, the well, you can always, re- you can always rely on me to be the, the to be the odd man out. <laughs> yeah, but no, like exactly like you mentioned, like the emotion that came with this. Again, jumping from WCW to the WWF, uh, being you know his first time in a Royal Rumble match, and not only that, but being told, hey, this is gonna be for the vacant WWF Championship, and oh by the way you're lasting an hour, which is the longest anybody had ever really lasted up until Rey Mysterio really broke that record. Yeah. Um, and not only are you going to be the longest, the Iron Man of this match, but you're also winning it. Just all of that, I mean, it showed the the level of respect that Ric Flair had earned among not only the locker room, but among management from not only within the company that he had, but outside of the company that he worked for at the time to, to have that level of confidence in him. Uh, now, obviously things like progressed in certain ways and, you know, ships were jumped again and again and again and again, but it was that moment itself that with a tear in my eye, like that, that is still one of the most iconic pro wrestling promos that has ever been cut and probably will ever be cut uh, in a long time. So very, very cool. All right, Ryan. You're Back great. to you. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Okay, my number eight. This one is kind of not a serious promo, but more of a funny promo. This is the Ric Flair off between Jay Lethal and Ric Flair in TNA. Punt. Ooh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I love that promo. So, yeah, uh, it's it's higher on mine. Uh, Brent, okay. was it anywhere in yours? It was an honorable mention. Okay. Ah, all right. All right. Uh, Brenton, you're number eight. Paul Heyman, the one not stand 2005. Ah, honorable mention for me. I did honorable mention as well because I had to, because I won, I had a lot of Paul Heyman on. So I picked a different, I, I, I picked my, the one I punted is the one that's on this list. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's a great evisceration of, a lot of those guys who were up there just mocking him in the stands and everything and the passion that he had for the original ECW. I and the felt status like they had. He did it. The status yeah. they had on the card. I just felt like he already done it against Vince, and in a lot of ways he kind of did it a little better when he ripped Vince apart right before Survivor Series. But go ahead. Um, I just liked it better because he got – he went into – he you know, he fired in at, individually at 
each person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how he was playing off the whole, you know, um, you know, okay, I'm going to let the, you know, I'm just going to come out here and say thank you and, you know, do all this other stuff and kind of playing it off that he wasn't going to say anything. But I and, have something to say to thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, that yeah, was it, just... Yeah, I, I hate to get you off, but I'll, I'll let you get back to it. The, the line that I really loved, like, before he even got into that, he goes, he tells the crowd, I want you to know I'm not crying. My eyes are red because I was in the back smoking a joint with Van Damme. Oh, that was perfect. No, yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he said, but I've got something to say to you. Like, that was just perfect. Mm. Perfect. And then... You know, and then when he said, I almost forgot about you. Yeah. <laughs> to JBL. Oh. And, you know, I have, well, some respect for JBL, like what he's done in the business. Yeah. But when he said, the only reason you were WWE champion for a year is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. <sighs> Can we just be honest with each other and say how true that was? Yeah. Oh, 100%. JBL's fucking career has been nothing but backstage politics and fucking luck, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, in so many ways. Oh, yeah. It was just so... uh, When he said that, I was like... uh, When I first saw that promo, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like yeah. that would have hurt my feelings. Yeah, I know, right? Like <laughs> so that yeah, that's my number. It's my number eight. Hey, yeah, good, good, I will add on to that promo. Pick. I will add on to that promo too. Like the people, like even when he goes to Edge, though. I mean, it's clear that uh, Edge yeah. is not acting very shocked or so, especially during the time when he said, "I only got two words for you, Matt freaking Hardy," or was it three yeah. words? But even then. He's. It was just like Paul. I love it. So it's, it's those rare moments where Paul knew he can say what he wants, and not only will he get away with it, but it's gonna draw money. Oh yeah, like he he had carte blanche to do a ton of stuff, and I I, I love the way he capped it off. He's like, this ain't WCW, this ain't Monday Night Raw, this ain't SmackDown, this ain't even WWE. This, my friends, is E C F N W, and I'm like. What more do you need to say? Exactly. Yep. All right. So my number eight. Hey, it's the first time I get to talk for an extended period of time about <laughs> one of these. Uh, so my number eight is a defining moment in the history of not only WCW, but in the pro wrestling landscape as a whole. Because what you need to understand is this right here is the new World Order of Wrestling, brother. So that my pick is N- uh, the NWO formation and Hulk Hogan's heel turn. What was that, Britain? Punt. Punt. Okay. Hey. I had, to just you guys, I had to just point you guys, but that was at the that's like that's 10.5. Ah, uh, okay. So that's a, a hard, hard cut. All yeah, right, hey, no problem there. We will talk about it higher up. Uh, Ryan, then, you're number seven, my friend. 
Okay, my number seven is a... I don't know if we all have any female wrestlers on here for our promos, but my number seven is the pipe bomb dropped by AJ Lee on the Divas division during the reality. It was a hard omission. It was a hard omission. Yeah. Good one. That yeah, yeah, that's solid, solid pick though. Yeah. And trust me, this was gonna be an honorable mention as well. But then the more I look at it, and now looking at the WWE women's division today. This promo has everything I feel about what the hell they're doing with the division right now. I mean, it's not full. It's not. I mean, it's different from when AJ started because she's one of the few at the time before when NXT was starting. One of the few women who wrestled on that roster when when that wrestler was overloaded with women who were just there, who was clearly picked for their looks. And many people thought this was a main shot at the Bellas, but. From all the other talent that was there, like with Summer Rae, uh, Rosa Mendez, uh, Oksana, uh, and no disrespect, and um, and it, it was though it was them being and it was them being there, and Eve Torres, like Eve Torres is athletic though, but even then, she was there for her looks, and just seeing how she and the funny thing is, learning about that speech was this all drew from Vince wanting AJ to be part of Total Divas, and she was not interested. And then Vince Primus asked her why, and she's like, are you sure? And he's like, you know what? Grab a mic and say why you don't want to be on Total Divas. <laughs> Seeing that the fact that Vince had no problem with AJ holding the mic and saying those words, this was at a time where it felt to me Vince, at his, he was still very agreeable to work. He was still very agreeable as someone in charge. Like He still had his idea, like his hand on the button, even though eight out of, nine, eight out of ten times he, kind of, he constantly misses. This is the one time where I'm like, you have yourself a confident women, a female wrestler in your division. You have solidly booked as a champion, and you're giving her the opportunity to not only cheer, she's the heel, but you're giving her justification because she's justified in what she is saying. Especially when she goes, I did not, I did not, talent is not sexually transmitted. I mean, Ooh. Jesus. Yeah, that was brutal. I know to put that out on PG products, like damn. Yeah, the Bellas have their fans, but even then, you have to be, especially now with Total Bellas, seeing what their careers are like. Uh, you can't help but see that there is truth to what she said. And sure, a sure there's there's wrestlers who are dating other wrestlers in the back, but it was just that promo she said, and then seeing how it's reverberated. I mean, she's now work. She's she's a commentator now at uh, women uh, women of wrestling, but even then, a part of me still wants to see like AJ just like back in the ring, kind of mic- grabbing a microphone and then kind of another good promo. But yeah. this is one of those rare times during AJ Lee's performance where I loved her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was a great promo, and again, to to have that platform to be given that opportunity to say all of that stuff, even though I'm sure. To a lot of the the women she was targeting, they they were probably legitimately like upset by what she had to say. I don't know if they had to clear all of that before uh, she went out there and said all of that. But um, yeah, you mentioned that she's she's commentating for uh, women of wrestling, aka Wow, and that is a topic we will get to on another episode uh, mm-hmm. in a future time frame for this podcast. But for now, uh, Brenton, your final thoughts on this promo? Uh, that was a great promo you know i remember i watched it happen live me too and i was like 
uh, you know, what did I just hear? Yeah, you you almost wondered if she went off script. Yeah, I was like, I I was like, oh my god, like did she really just like go there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... So, yeah, it that that was one of the like that was you know a such a brutal promo. Oh. <laughs> just so brutal. Yeah, but in the best possible way. In the best possible way. Yeah. yeah. All right. My uh, number seven. Uh, oh, I didn't get mine. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I completely You're good. apologize. Just trying to move the show along. But uh, Brittany, you're welcome to Raw is Jericho. Uh, oh. It was on my honorable mentions. There was a better Jericho promo I had, but then both of them were on my honorable mentions. So, yeah. Yeah, right. floor's yours. Uh, it, the that promo, like I had to put it, I had to put it in the top ten. But I had so many more ahead that you know I could, I was gonna put above it. I was like, but this promo is just, it was so good. And if the fact that he went up, he went toe to toe with the Rock, and you know, in his first promo, in. You know, in the WWF, and they had confidence. They're they're like, you know, and how well he did just showed like, okay, this guy is the future of, you know, wrestling. Because, yeah. you know, he hadn't been a world champion yet. You know, he just pretty much, you know, he'd been just in the cruiserweight in the cruiserweights in WCW, and your first night. You know, on television, you know, like, yeah, you're not only on television and you're not only debuting and cutting a promo, but you're cutting a promo and you're going to one on one with The Rock. Like, that's huge. That's huge. It's monumental. Yeah. Talk about pressure. But yeah, I think I the, main admit, reason yeah. That, the main reason that I had to put it on the honorable mention list is, yeah, yeah it was a great debut, but then. After that, as far as booking, they really didn't do a lot with him for a while after that. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. I mean, look, as someone, I mean, look, during that time, I was the biggest anti-Jericho fan because of, you know, because of how good he was as a heel in WCW. So when I saw him in WWF, I'm going, hell no. Somebody beat his ass in the ring. And then he, and they did, they did him solid at first, like that great show, that great promo against The Rock. Then they have him interrupt The Undertaker, where it's almost like you have him at two times, two weeks ago, two weeks in a row on Raw, interrupting their biggest stars and the platform they put him on there. But it's not just the way they booked him, but it's also, unfortunately, it deals with the politics that Vince has made in the locker room. It's an us versus them mentality. And the fact when you want wrestlers who jump shit from one, from one company to the next, unfortunately for Jericho, because he was from WCW, he had to suffer a lot of indignities from the guys in the locker room. And at the same time, he has said in interviews, he had to adjust. He had to slow down his style in order to match what WWE wanted their, their wrestling to do. Proving that he had one of the biggest hurdles to climb. I mean, he, he definitely recovered from it, and he's amazing. Yeah. And nothing to take away from that promo. But it's just, I guess for me, there was just a better Jericho promo personally in my mind. <laughs> 
like I said, for me, it was it was a similar situation. Like, yeah, great start, but then what did they how how did they really capitalize on it, or did they really capitalize on it afterwards? And they kind of didn't, you know. So that that's that's why it was a, a a cut for me. But solid, solid choice, regardless. All right, my number seven. My number seven comes from the old school era of pro wrestling. And it comes from a gentleman who knew a lot about having to work the grind, having to, to really pay his dues. You know, I had to go through some hard times, baby. And that is, of course, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, we're all right. We're putting on that one. Cool. Okay. Very, very cool. All right. Oh, wow. He was actually... I am a. I had him one slot higher, actually. <laughs> okay, so he. I would say you had him at number six, then. Yes. Okay. Uh, Brenton is yours higher than six. He is higher than six. Okay, then we will hold off. So, Brenton, what is your number six? Is it Ron's turn? Or is, oh, he said it was uh, number his, six. I would say his number six was that one that I just mentioned, the Hard Times, Dusty Rhodes program. Okay. Number so six is. Yeah, if it's even higher on yours, then yeah, go ahead with your number six. It is Randy Savage's cream of the crop. Uh, again, very, very tough, tough call on this one, but it made my honorable mentions. Ryan? That's actually my number five. All right, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll go ahead and talk. Yeah, we'll go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, great promo. Great promo. Um, and, and the only the reason I just. That is what, like, when it comes to promos, uh, promos, uh, you know, that involve Randy Savage, that's always the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. And I, and personally, I think it's arguably his best promo. It, it definitely was. If it if it wasn't number one, it was definitely up there. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit, shit, shit. That's I just realized, um, no, no, Dusty was not number six on mine. I just realized he was... I'm looking at the honorable mention side. He's on my honorable mention. Fuck. <laughs> okay, that's fine. We're we're in the middle of this one. We'll get to your number six as soon as we're done. Yeah. No, that's all I had to say. Okay, cool. Uh yeah, like I said, great promo. Uh, you know, Mach is obviously someone who will be forever missed as far as you know his his legacy and just the the energy and the intensity that he brought. Um you know, there was a reason they they picked him as the mascot for Slim Jims because he he really just brought it with to everything that he did, and uh, you can argue that that intensity was you know his his greatest asset as far as the business goes, but it was also probably his greatest detriment as far as his personal life. But uh, in any case, yeah. uh, Ryan, I, uh, your thoughts on this promo, and then we'll go into your number six. Well, honestly, I do agree with that. I mean, I like the fact that yeah, it, him showing one hundred showing his charisma but at the time this is also his it, but then also his promo like in a good storyline it spurned off of something that was wrong of wrong that was done to him losing being not getting being screwed out of the IC Intercontinental title which around that time was the title for Macho Man to go for and seeing what he has done with that title and the feuds he's had with it just amazing so the fact that he cuts this promo calling, don't talking about the cream, the cream of the crop, the cream that rises, you know, especially with his voice, though, the graveliness in his voice, 
how he's even though he's like at a 10 when he speaks with his intensity, but how he's able to still keep himself can restrained using that voice, man, just dragging every word out as if you as if he's literally taking every syllable and dragging them across the floor, kicking and screaming until he gets to the cream of the crop. So yeah. it's it, it very much almost feels like you're waiting for a grenade to go off every time he's talking. Yes. But anyway, uh, so yes, uh, so since we kind of skipped over, uh, we had your uh, a little snafu with your list. What was your number six, man? Yeah. It technically wasn't a skip. Like I said, it was a fuck up. Uh, my number six was Paul Heyman, uh, his 2001 uh, Survivor Series uh, on Vince McMahon. Okay, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about it then. Yeah. I, I put that a little higher because this, honestly, for me at the time when I was becoming a fan of WWF or WWE from, from, from jumping from WCW, seeing Paul Heyman go from being a commentator and then to being in charge of the, like being one third of the Alliance and that promo he cuts on him going from, I honestly, like he's being real with him. I hate your guts. Like going across everything he has said that Vince believes he's trying to do for the business and saying that you've copied it off of me and the pure, like you can almost tell it. There is pure disgust coming out from him. And then when he goes towards tech, Taz, talking about how he says Taz was a killer, he was a wrestler, and now thanks to you, he's just some fat nobody behind a desk, which leads Taz to stand up and choke out Paul Heyman. Now, a great in capper to it, because honestly, that's Vince going like, yeah, I just want you to choke out Heyman. But still, him tearing apart Vince McMahon and Vince just standing there, just watching him do it, God, that's like anyone you want to tell to your boss or someone, or or an ig- or an ignorant CEO, or just someone who has a stick up his ass. You just want to tell it straight to them. Yeah, the the thing to me that makes that promo so beautiful is that Vince didn't know anything about. Oh him. no, he did not. And Heyman, Heyman said, "Hey, don't you know? Don't you want to know a little bit about what I'm going to say?" And Vince is just like, "Are you going to draw me money?" He goes, "Well, yeah, I don't care." So just the fact that he went through all that and he just sat there and took that verbal evisceration from Paul Heyman and just and let it go and let it go uninterrupted and unfiltered through his airwaves. I mean, shows a lot about what Vince was willing to give Paul in that situation. So, I mean, as much as we love to rip on the old man now, uh, he he knew what was going to make money and. He knew Heyman was the one to do it, so he just let it rip. Yeah. Uh, Brenton, your thoughts? Yeah, the reason I had it low, I just uh, the reason I had it lower than my Paul Heyman 2005 one night stand promo is I just enjoyed the Paul Heyman, the two the one night stand promo a little bit better, um, <laughs> but it 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 was just one of those promos like like kind of like Ryan, like you said. Like somebody you just want to tell off that you just cannot stand at all, and you just want to punch in the face. You know, it's like when he said, I hate your freaking guts. Like, you're just like the emotion behind that was just so powerful. Like, the whole promo, the emotion behind the whole promo was, was ridiculous. Yeah. 
you know, and so just seeing that and hearing that was, like, was it was insane. Yeah, it was it was nuts, definitely. All right, uh, so my number six uh, was actually a punt from earlier. It's the uh, Ric Flair Jay Lethal mirror mirror on the wall, like just that whole I I got not that. Pissantly lethal. I I laugh my fool head off every single time I watch that promo because it's just it is so insane. And to hear Taz and Tanay at commentary just almost apoplectic, like what the hell are we watching? Also, see, they're they're on the verge of laughing too. They're trying to hold it together. Yeah, (laughs) just watching Flair's face get redder and redder and just. And knowing how much Rick loves Jay Lethal and loves the imitation, not just of him, but of Mach, and just how how cool they were about that and all of that, just makes it all the more special to me. Yeah. I will say the fact that Flair even breaks a little bit uh, during the whole thing, where he yeah. when Jay does the Space Mountain thing, and then Flair just goes, wow! Like, you could, like that's like genuine, like, uh, not shock, but genuine awe coming from him. Like, yeah. So good. But yeah, I even like the storyline behind it. As much as Hogan's run in TNA was shit, especially the yeah. early the spe- I did like, Yeah. But but the early spot where Hogan's and where Flair forms his faction of fortune with Bobby Roode, Kazarian, AJ Styles, uh, and then brings James in Matt. Um, Yes, James Storm, and then brings in uh, Douglas Williams. Uh, and, like, uh, Nigel, Nigel McGinnis. Yeah, Nigel McGinnis. Yeah, bring Douglas, Douglas Williams at first. It was Nigel McGinnis at first. Uh, okay, but yes, yeah, oh yeah, Nigel McGinnis. Yeah, he was in that ring. Yeah, the scene in back performance faction, and Hogan's trying to inspire the TNA uh, locker room. He gives Jay Lethal Ric Flair's Hall of Fame ring, and I like how it spurs this little mini confrontation between the two of them. Where at first Jay Lethal was only doing that. Be- at first, because he's like, I've got like, I've got the ring, so I feel empowered. Then Flair comes out and goes, "You fucking, you, you disrespectful son of a bitch." And then afterwards, it lets a flight of fire into Jay's ass. Where you get that promo, that is like so, it's hilarious. And the fact that I got to be, that I was present during this time, during this run, knowing the storyline at moments behind it is awesome. And the fact that you, even though Hogan, he's a lot of older. Past wrestlers still got some time in the spotlight. He was trying to work with management to work to highlight some of the young, to, the, the, the TNA talent that was there, and seeing Jay just like get to indulge himself. Like I loved his black machismo, but the fact he gets to break away from that for a while, and not only gets to be himself, but then also gets to do his impression. He, it, it, it's like a fanboy getting to live out a perfect moment by getting to mimic your idol and your idol just praising you for it. Yeah, uh, I would know a little bit of something about that. Granted, my flair impression is nowhere near the of, of Jay Lethal, but like I, I, I kind of, I, I know the feeling just a little bit. Not to, not to brag, but uh, uh, Brenton, your thoughts on uh, the Lethal Flair, uh, you know, Magic Mirror promo? Uh, probably, definitely my favorite TNA promo. Yeah. Um. Was watching actually watching it live, like watching it happen as it was going on. 
And I just remember laughing my ass off. Same. And it was like, this is great, especially when they had the woo off. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Woo! And then doing the elbow. <laughs> and when Ric Flair, whenever he's, you know, he was talking, whenever Jay said, you know, mentioned Space Mountain, he said, old, and then Flair's like, oldest ride, longest line. Oh, I just oh. just lost it. I was like howling with laughter every time I watch that. You can honestly turn on that promo again, and I think even if you watched it over a million times, I think you'll still crack a smile just for the pure enjoyment that both men are having. Hundred percent. I'll laugh just as hard each time. Yep. All right. We are into the top five, gentlemen. Well, you Ryan, can skip that since your... I gave my five. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you gave your five, which was the. Uh, it was Brenton six. Brandy Savage. Right, right, right. Prop. right, right, right. So, uh, Brenton, you're number five then. Hulk Hogan, NWA or NWO slash nice. intern. Okay. Very cool. All right. Yep. Have the floor. Um, the reason I have it number five, um, it was such a defining moment. Yeah. In professional wrestling and would, and will would you know go on to you know be one of the most talked about segments to still to this day yep you know the one human being the one professional wrestler that you never thought would turn heel turns heel yeah agreed yeah and, I mean, and that and, you know and that's why I have to put it. I, that's why. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with, with anything you're saying right there, Brenton. Like you're, you're right. And maybe it just hit a little bit lower for me, but just, just cause some of the, the ones that I've got are just a little bit, a little bit higher and a, a little bit more special to me because like, I didn't really get started into watching wrestling until the early 2000s. I was aware of the Monday night wars. I was aware of, WCW, the NWO, but I really didn't really start going back and diving into it until much, much later. But when it comes down to it, like, you're right. The one guy who seemed like he would never turn heel just turns his back on you, tells you where to shove it. And then just to know how big of a moment this was, all you have to do is go back and watch that and see an entire arena of people throwing trash in the ring at Hulk Hogan. Yep. Like this was something that hardly ever was like, there were people who would throw stuff at wrestlers, but it was usually full and far between. This was almost everybody just absolutely laying in this guy. And it shook the foundation of the wrestling world to its core and defined, and I would say defined an entire generation of not just wrestlers, but wrestling fans. Uh, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why it's not on my tenants on automations was, like you, James, I came into wrestling late. Funny thing was, I came into wrestling through video games, so the NWO was already established at that time. And right. since, you know, at that time when I was a kid, there was no, I mean, there was no, you barely come across a rerun of wrestling, so everything was just through word of mouth. So... When Hogan, I came in when Hogan was Hollywood Hogan at that time. So I knew nothing about that promo until 
YouTube until um, like when press and programs would do their documentaries. But it doesn't ignore the fact of the import of the, of the of the magic of that moment, especially from Eric Bischoff now talking in interviews that Hogan was still hesitant to do it. Yeah, that originally was going to be Sting. Yeah, like he said, if Hogan said Sting was going to be the one to say it, and then Hogan could have came out to save the day. Especially looking back now at WCW when Hogan showed up, he was still a good run, but later on the crowd was turning on him. And it to to I mean back then, yeah, when Hogan did say that Eric told him you be the bad guy, it was something unheard of because that's not something wrestling fans would imagine. I mean, sure, rest fans can see someone become a heel turn. I mean, become a bad guy through a heel turn, but you are right, James. Hogan, for the longest time, since he came back to WWF after from his time in the AWA, he has been nothing but the ultimate good guy. It's literally like seeing Superman turn his back on the world. It's something you thought you'd never see happen. Yep. Until you read Injustice, but that's beside the point. There's still, anyway. there still bad Superman stories, but yeah, Injustice yeah, yeah, yeah. is the constant one. But I, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, all right then. So let us then continue. My number five is uh, another punt from earlier. Which was the Eddie Guerrero is addicted to life promo. Yes. The one that he, I mean, Eddie Guerrero was, you know what? I'm going to say it and it's going to sound hyperbolic, but I'm going to say it anyway. Eddie Guerrero was a once in a lifetime performer. Like he could make you absolutely hate his guts for months on end. And then in just one segment, have you chanting his name and, you know, just, absolutely getting on his side his personal problems being well documented the fact that and we got a lot more of those and a lot more depth into those with um the dark side of the ring uh chris benoit episodes leading up to you know kind of given the background that preceded those events um the fact that his wife basically let him overdose and just said you know if, if, if basically told god if you're going to take him take him because i can't deal with this anymore and then knowing that he lost his position in wwe lost his wife lost his kids yeah. lost everything hit literal rock bottom and then to crawl his way back through the independent circuit to earn his family's love and respect back to earn the respect of the locker room back to earn the respect of Vince McMahon back. And then to be given this opportunity to take the WWE title off of Brock Lesnar of all people. And then to incorporate all of that real life pain and heartache and just redemption into that promo is just, I, again, it, maybe it hits me a little bit differently now as a father than it did at the time, but Man, like, again, if I hadn't already had respect for who Eddie Guerrero was as a person and as an entertainer, like, it immediately jumped up. And now, it, again, it's a, a lot, it, to me, it almost echoes in a lot of way, or I should say Moxley's most recent promo after yes. his battle with addiction and everything echoes that promo in a lot of ways. Granted, Moxley's is a lot darker and a lot more twisted, but... It, it doesn't change the parallel that exists between them, in my opinion. And personally, like, I just love this promo to death. 
I watch it back every once in a while, and I still get a little choked up about it. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, the reason why it's lower on my list because it it was at the time. I mean, look, I loved a grow too. I mean, it clearly didn't hit as home to me as before. But even then, everything he was talking about in his promo, especially around that time when there was the uh, documentary, the stealing, uh, cheating death, stealing life, stealing life. Yeah. story. Hearing from the closest people towards him, like even uh, the story of Vicky, how Vicky Guerrero, how she saw Eddie in this downward spiral, had to make the choice, the guts to leave Eddie to do what's best for her kids. And then falling back in love with him again, hearing from her how Eddie was clean, even from Chavo, so many other family members of how Eddie, how he was hard to be around during his time of substance abuse or hard drinking. And then seeing him once again back in their lives, the Eddie that they knew, it really ruined my heart. And the run he was on, the charisma that he gave to the fans, and the fans he definitely inspired. This mm-hmm. promo, I mean, as much as I love his heel pro, his newly heel promo on Rey Mysterio, this one is much better because it's talking about a man who did lose everything. He built himself back up, had to gain not only respect the people close to him, like you said, James, but also his own self-respect, his own uh yeah. worth. Yeah. And I think that even, is what then when there. he won the championship. Sorry, I didn't it off, but I uh, I do think what kind of puts it over the edge, like you mentioned before, is as opposed to the 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 promo with Dominic and everything like that, is that it, this is real. Like it's not just kayfabe and like blurring the lines of you know what, what's fake and what's real and this that and the other, like they did with the Dominic storyline. But this this is real. It's documented that this happened, and we know the struggle. And now to see it play out and to see that culminate in that moment. Uh, was really cool. But anyway, I'm, I'm sorry, continue. No, you're right. Um, you're right about that one moment too. But, uh, but as I said, with the the fact that this was before their pay-per-view had no way out, building into mm-hmm. it, this set up a huge stage for Eddie, especially when Brock at that time was the golden boy, the man that Vince had put everything on, youngest, WW, youngest champion at that time. And for Brock, well, until Randy Orton captured it around a couple months later in 2004. But at that time, Brock was the young guy, the one Vince wanted to put the company's shoulders on. And then seeing Eddie just come up and challenge not only everything that Brock is, but everything that Vince McMahon is making the face of the company. And then afterwards in the pay-per-view later on, we see him win. Sure, it was unfortunately through shenanigans, but at the same time, it, it fits with an Eddie Guerrero match, though. Eddie always wins through shenanigans, either him using his cunning or just through uh, taking through cunning and opportunity. That was the character of Eddie throughout the program, but it doesn't change the fact that this one moment you get to see this is a man you want to see as champion. This is a man you want to be the face of this company. And... I mean, that's all I have to say. Okay. Uh, Brenton, any follow-up there? Audio issues again. No, I was saying, y'all pretty much hit it right on the spot. I mean, it was such a raw and real promo. Um, you know, and just the whole Eddie Guerrero story is just so inspiring. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes that promo so special. Yeah. It's because it was so raw and real. Yep. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move into our number fours. Ryan, let's go ahead and start with you, man. Oh, man. Um, I did say earlier on my list was always an evolving, changing list and realizing that having uh, added a few ha- – I realized that there was one person I had on my list who unfortunately has been put to honorable mentions because of my inclusion of AJB. But because of her inclusion, she also bumped somebody off that I originally had, number five, and that – and who is my number four, which is the promo Shawn Michaels did in Montreal – in 2005 on Raw. Uh, that's my number three. What? That's my number three. Okay. Uh, Brent, how about you? My number four? No, I was saying, no, what, was, where was list. that promo on your list? Oh, uh, oh, no, it wasn't, no. That wasn't okay, on your list? Worries. I'm sorry. Like, just the way he starts that one off. Who's your daddy, Montreal? Like, Not just that, but the fact his music kicks off, he knows he's Montreal. The crowd with one hell, I mean, I'm not saying for a grudge, but one hell of a memory, have never forgiven or forgotten what happened at Montreal Survivor Series. So, like, God. Uh, oh, oh, are we talking about it or are we going to wait? No, we're, we'll talk about it. Like I said, mine's only one number up, so. Okay, but like, yeah, like you said, his Who's Your Daddy Montreal, Shawn Michaels just gleefully eating everything up, especially this is after when Michaels freshly turns heel by attacking, super kicking Hogan in the face after they had been a tag team on a previous Raw. And this, yep. of course, was building to their, their like, what was supposed to be a best of three between them at SummerSlam that's supposed to kick off at SummerSlam. But even then, Shawn Michaels showing up, knowing full well this crowd was going to boo him no matter what he said, and the delight he's taken on. It's a master class in promoing from the Who's Your Daddy to mocking the Canadian national anthem. Oh, yep. Canada, how much oh, I hate this place. Yep. <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, so good. Like, just. Again, it just goes to show that even though he was in like consummate babyface mode throughout the majority of that later part of his career, again, more often than not, based on his born again Christianity, yeah, he still knew how to get the crowd to just hate his guts. Uh, that that promo just makes me great, especially like. And what makes it just so much more heel about that promo is the fact that they have Bret Hart's music hit. Yeah. yeah. I was going to bring that up, too. <laughs> and uh, people are just going ape shit. And then, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, he sold it great. Oh, yeah. Like if you were like if you were to go back and watch it and had no idea, you're like, oh sh- oh some shit's about to go down. And then it was just played so well. Yep. He just did so well. Troll work. 
and not just the Michaels music too, but because this is fresh off of him super kicking Hogan in the face later on, like after he does the selling, waits for the music to die down, and then turns it right back on the people hating him again, gets back on another tirade, and then has Hulk Hogan's music play because at first this was because first time for me watching this scene, Bret hearing Bret Hart's music, I'm going, wait, what? And then, of course, it goes to, yeah, Brett's never coming back. But to someone who's currently in the roster, which is Hogan, we're like, oh, Hogan's here. He's going to whip his ass. And then Shawn Michaels, once again, just the shit-eating grin and the over-comical laugh. <laughs> Got you again. Just, you wanted to see this guy get punched in the face real bad after this promo. Oh, yeah. Troll level 9,000. So good. All right. Uh, Brenton, what is your number four? Good, sir. My number see here. My number four is Ric Flair's famous limousine riding jet flying promo. Uh, hard, hard cut, but yeah, good good choice. Yeah, that's all yours, Brenton. This was a hard cut as well. Um, that promo is just what defines Ric Flair to me, of, like, just the over-the-top heel, I'm better than you, and, you know, just that, well, every time I, and if I think of, anytime I think of a Ric Flair promo, that is the one I think of. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, it's his most famous, it's his most famous catchphrase. You know, and it, it just, it, it was, it was just such a great promo. Um, one of my favorites, clearly. Um, and like I said, it just showed that, like, he, you know, how just how well he cut, a, like, someone can cut a promo. That is, without a doubt, I think it's his best promo, and it's definitely one of the greatest. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why. Whenever we imitate, out of love, of course, uh, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, there are always a certain set of words that almost every person recites because he made them famous in the most over-the-top style that he ever possibly could, but made you believe it nonetheless. Um, so, yeah, great, great selection. It was a, it was a hard cut for me, especially because, again, despite any of the, the the media backlash or anything that he's had recently. I still love Ric Flair. Um, but, yeah, I, like I said, it was a hard cut. But, man, the guy knew how to make you hate him and really rub it in your face that I make way more money than you and you should feel bad about it and boo me because of it. And he did that better than just about anybody. Ryan, anything to add? Um. Yeah. Uh. It's it's kind of funny you bring. I mean, when you mentioned that because the whole original program, the whole original promo of that, I've heard him say that so many times in his career from WCW uh, to the WWE that I tend to forget about the original promo. So when I made that an honorable mention, it was just kind of something that was at the back of my mind until like what you and Brandon been bringing up this solidified his character. This made everyone, I mean, not only is it catchy, but the fact that he can change it up 
And then also the way he enunciates or chooses to highlight or stress out a word. I mean, limousine riding, jet flying. Or one day you can just go limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing. Like the fact that this that this promo itself can be replicated and altered and just never chopped down. But whenever Ric Flair gets to say that, you just keep reminding yourself why he was so goddamn good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That brings us to my number four. And my number four is actually I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a picture for you if if I may. Cast your mind back, if you will. About late late summer, early fall 2019. AEW had just debuted on television. They're going to their first big pay-per-view under their AEW umbrella after their TV debut. And the one man who is at the center of it is a guy who doesn't have his last name at the moment. Damn it. What would come to be known as Cody Rhodes. Oh. Talking about going from a place where he was undesirable to working his ass off to make himself un. Deniable. So my pick for number four is Cody's promo about Chris Jericho leading into their match at Full Gear 2019. Oh, yeah, that was... Mm. Again, a lot of people discount it, I think, because it's so recent, but he went off. And That's he, what he's he, right. I, want, I didn't want to have anything too recent on my list. Oh. I mean, it's it's fair, but I, like you can't deny that again. And he brings up three very important names. He brings up Eddie Graham. He brings up Cowboy Bill Watts, and he brings up his father, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and makes mention of the fact that while these guys were great and while the they were so respected in their industry, any accomplishment that they achieved was always met with an asterisk because of the fact that they were management. Yeah. And to go into all of that detail and then talk about how Jericho had been calling him an entitled millennial, you know, for growing up as the grandson or the son of Dusty Rhodes, you know, the grandson of a plumber, with that and the other, when Jericho was the son of a famous hockey player for the New York Rangers, and you know, telling him that's almost like we grew up with the exact same silver spoon, you stupid dick. Yeah, and and just to, to the amount of vitriol and the amount of you could tell he was in a lot of ways not only was he throwing Jericho's words back at him, but he was throwing a lot of other critics' words back at them as well in that promo, and just to hear the fire in his voice and to really understand what he'd been through, you know, mentally as far as what happened when he left. WWE and doing everything he can to make himself indispensable, to make himself a hot commodity in the wrestling business, going from Ring of Honor to New Japan, founding AEW and making it known that you missed the boat on me because you were short-sighted and stubborn and couldn't see what I brought to the table. You might have found me undesirable, but no one in this arena is going to deny what I've accomplished ever again. It just, it made so much sense, and 
to feel that, especially because this was at a time when AEW was still young, still in its infancy. You needed that hook. You needed that talking point to really get people invested and to make this thing count. Cody delivered that in spades with this promo. 100% agree. Agreed. Because I think because of what you uh, that alone, I mean, I made it a hard choice because of it being recent. Because I didn't want it to be because to be honest, I would have put in three AEW promos on my list, but I figured I'd just keep it to more something that that was still relevant but also monumental changing. But hell, I'm going to kick one uh, promo off my list in order to put Cody in there. Um, this was this was the only AEW promo I picked. Yeah, but you were right. Especially with Cody at the time with management, especially during that time when they were in, in their infancy, Cody, during the times of dark, he had this little uh, mini little series going on called From Undesirable to Undeniable, and he would inter- interview other wrestlers that he would talk to. I mean, he had MJF on there. Uh, he had QT Marshall on there, Red Velvet, uh, Ricky, uh, not Ricky Starks, but he had, de- he, had, he had at least a, a small group of wrestlers on there pretty much to highlight some of the things they had to do in order to make themselves from being overlooked to now being very valued as wrestlers. And then also, I I do love the fact that in his promo, he's pointing out the hypocrisy that has been shot, that's being, that's being, you know, that's being thrown his way. I mean, I love, that's why he's run. I think that's with, with Cody Rhodes. I really believe people, tend to forget he is not an idiot he is well aware of the criticism and uh comments thrown his way but because he's a big because he's someone who believes in crafting a narrative he always wants to try to make it pay off but the mm-hmm. issue is that i said earlier in one of our episodes i said in one of our episodes regarding cody's departure with with live crowds we're so we're so used to you know the uh you know buying buying in short you know we want the payoff. You know, we want we we're not not many people are willing to sit around and wait for the narrative to pay off. They kind of want to pay off right there, right now, or at least be valid be validated in their you know who they who they like as a wrestler. Yeah, I mean it's fair. Uh, Brenton, anything else to add? No, you all pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, but that I will say, yeah, kind of like with Ryan, like I didn't really think about putting, like I just didn't think about putting just because AEW is so new. That's why I didn't put any on there. But if I was to put one on there, that would definitely have been the one. All right, all right, all right. We are moving into our top three now. We are getting really up in the upper echelon at this point. So, Ryan, your number three pick. Okay. Well, I don't know if this is going to be a bit of a bump on anyone's, but my number three, take you guys, this is around the early 2000s, around the turn of the century. Certain wrestler had is finally is getting pushed. Uh, he went from being a tag team wrestler to a mid-card wrestler. He ends I up winning the tournament to finally get pushed into the top card. But then later on the next night on the previous show after the pay-per-view, another wrestler decides to speak his mind 
you know, shares thoughts with the crowd about this guy. And all, and then of course, we get the whole crescendo to where he says, Oh dear God. Yep. My name's Billy. I want King of the Ring, but there's just one problem. Everybody still thinks that I absolutely, absolutely suck. suck. So back to my uh, number three, guys. Yep. The Rock's well, promo well, Billy Gunn yeah. after King of the Ring. It's like, well, Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter. Honorable that was an honorable mention. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Honestly, uh, there were so many rock promos I could have put on here. I originally was going to put his promo he made when Steve Austin had quit the company, and he was talking about how the how WWE was his home. But this was just one of those rare times where The Rock just came back during his time in Hollywood to just for the pop. This was at the time when The Rock was still a hot commodity, and it's still an important one because this is when The Rock, he could almost literally say anything, and the people would be behind him, especially yeah. – with him and Jericho and their constant tirades towards Stephen McMahon. I mean, seriously, ah. they, they're constant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Demonizing. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> funny at that time because Stephanie, the he you call it $1, no, $2, no, $0.50, cent, no, $0.50. Uh, quarter reach around the table. No, actually, never mind. Put some latex gloves on because there's no way I want you to touch it, even with protection on slut. You know. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, I, re I remember those but, uh, promos so good. Uh, like especially like you mentioned the the Jericho one against uh, Stephanie and and Rhino, but then obviously Rock comes out and mocks Booker T. Just so much fun. Yeah, but uh, the drawback into that promo. Uh, th this is a promo that's good, but it also has a bit of a, like a, unfortunately, um, of a double edge on here because Billy Gunn, mm -hmm. who was Mr. Ass, or at least one half of the New Age Outlaws, he part of Generation X, it looked like the company saw something in him that they wanted to push him up. So having him win that King of the Ring, especially at the time when King of the Ring, if you won it, you get to challenge for the WWF title. And the fact that he won, it looked like that they were going to put Billy Gunn maybe into the upper card. And then The Rock comes out, cuts that promo, and as funny as it is, just the, the ramifications, unfortunately, where Billy's push was stopped immediately, thrown out the damn door. He went back to being a mid-card guy for the European title. And uh, like going for the European title, maybe even occasionally the Intercontinental, and then he gets his, he gets his heat back. By reteaming with New Age with with Road Dog for the New Age Outlaws, but yeah, despite that, was, that, that was mostly the reason why I put it on honorable mention is because of the aftermath. You got a point, but even then, it's still something very fun to watch with The Rock. You know him still uh, being a mic, being a master pro, being a master on the mic. Honestly, I mean to me, I felt when I saw that. I thought this was just teasing The Rock and Billy Gunn to be in a promo, to be in a feud against each other. I had no idea that the company, that Vince, was just going to cut it dead, like, right there, which yep. was upsetting. Yeah, the aftermath kind of sucks to where Billy was not at fault for this. And even though The Rock chose to do that, it mainly fell on Vince for cutting it. It's like he didn't give a like Billy Gunn a chance to retort or to clap back. But even then, I still love this promo because of exactly this is the rock purely. It's just him in the ring, nobody else around him. He's able to do his promo so well. 
that it's still quotable, honestly, for good uh, or bad. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Brenton, your thoughts? Um, yeah, it was an honorable mention, and same reason. Um, just like the ramifications, the setbacks for Billy Gunn, like you know, like everything that happened post promo is why it didn't make it into my top 10, but it was on my honorable mentions. Um, yeah, very quotable promo. Absolutely hilarious promo from Rock, you know. But um, other than that, yeah, that's, that's the only reason it didn't make my top 10. Yeah. All right. Well, with that out of the way, Brenton, let's go to your number three, my friend. Well, let's go back to uh, talking about King of the Rings. Because, um, you know, you have your John 316s. Well, Cunt. damn it. Nice try. But, yeah, I was I was not about to, to let that finish. No, I, I knew exactly where you were going uh, to King of the Rings. I actually so. have a different Stone Cold promo. Ah, interesting. All right. Well, we already went over my number three, which was Who's Your Daddy, Montreal. So, Ryan, you're number two. My number two is a Stone Cold promo, but it's not the Austin 316 promo. It is the promo that kind of led to that kind of it, – it, you have glimpses of the Austin 316 that we're going to get later on. It is the promo slash interview he does on ECW – Moments after he has been fired from WCW during his time when he was studying Steve Austin with the Hollywood Blondes. Interesting. I picked, I picked this. I, originally, this was going to be Austin 316. But before we were starting, I decided, you know, just to go through a couple of lists online. And I kept seeing a mixture of Austin promos. Like, mainly, a lot of sites were listing the 316. But then one site, uh, three sites, four sites, had his interview he had on ECW where he's just Opening up, he's laying out all of his frustrations after being fired from Bischoff, talking about the ideas that he had pitched and, like, the wrestlers that he wanted to put himself in a promo against. Like, every other wrestler. Like, this is no different than any wrestler, like, laying out their frustrations when they're in a new company or in interviews. But because this was Paul Heyman, this was ECW, this was at a time when Stone Cold, or at least Steve Austin, was stunning Steve. You know, he had a different look. He had long blonde hair, giving off this Hollywood look, would team up with Brian Pillman. His career went no higher than winning the U.S. title, the tag titles, and seeing him let off all this frustration. And then, of course, his dusty impression. Jesus. Every time he's talking, he goes in there like, well, you see, so cold. I mean, Steve Austin went up to, up, went up to the guys and said, you know what? I want to go up against Hogan. I can be a Steve Maniac. I can find myself going against him. Like, see, baby, it's just not you right now. I mean, we got something for you, but we might we might keep you in your place. And then, you know, seeing Stone Cold, seeing I, I'm calling him Stone Cold. That's what he's called. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, with Steve Austin, seeing Austin just run through this list of grievances he has at ECW, and then the fact later on afterwards, even though it's a short stint there. He gets picked up by the WWF. Sure, he gets that ringmaster gimmick with the million dollar man. But even then, the fact that often 
went through something almost a little because of his track record at WCW. And I mean, if it wasn't for this little interview that caught the attention of Vince and then leading Steve Austin to have the guts to go, that's not me in the ring. I need to be somebody else. A part of me feels like if it wasn't for this interview, we would never have gotten to the lead of Stone Cold, the heel, and then to Austin 316. Uh, I mean, decent, decent choice. Uh, didn't make either of my lists, whether my actual list or honorable mentions, but you're not wrong. It's a very, very good promo. Again, just letting, just cutting loose in an area where, you know, shoot promos and airing your grievances was a little, only, I'd say slightly less uh, common than it is nowadays, because nowadays sure. at least you got a podcast to go on to do it. They don't have to do it on air. Um, but no, it was a very, very solid choice. Uh, Brenton, thoughts? Um, yeah, it didn't make any either one of my lists either, but I respect the fact that you put it on there because, yeah, I, I, I do agree that without that promo, there wouldn't be a, I don't think there would be a Stone Cold. No, absolutely not. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're number two, Brenton. Pipe bomb. Same. <laughs> That's the third one we've had. That's my number one, guys. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about it then. Yeah. So, yeah, no. Um. Yeah. Uh, what can you say? A, a, like, a, a, again, a generation-defining moment, you know? But uh, I'll give Brenton the floor here since this is technically his, his number two spot. So go for it. So, um. It, it was, I mean, I and I remember watching it live, watching it happen, Same. and going, is he allowed to say that on TV? Yeah. And the, the references back to, you know, the Luke Gallows and the Colt Cabanas, and him even saying, hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? Yep. And the fact that he said that, you know, that he thinks that the... Well, I think we lost him again there for a second. So you just double check your microphone there, Brendan, because you just kind of cut off there out of nowhere. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can yeah, hear you. All right. Like when he said, you know, back to whatever, you know, and he said that he thought, you know, he's like, I think this company, and I'd like to think that this company would be better off after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact of the matter is, is it won't because it'll be taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son in law and the rest of his stupid family. Yeah, that, that was the moment for me that was like, oh shit. Like, is he going off script here? Yeah. I, for, I think, oh, go ahead, Brent. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying, I was just like, oh my God. You know, and him saying that he was going to leave with the title and go wrestling. He's, and referencing, you know, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling was just like, like, you know, at the time, you're like, so, I mean, Die hard WWE fans are going that just watch WWE are like, who? What? Yeah. What are these other promotions? Yeah. Who, who's he talking about? Cole Cabana? Who's that? You know, it it, it just opened it, it reopened up the world of professional wrestling. And it was the first time anybody had like that I know, like it's it been the first time in a long ass time. That somebody had aired their grievances yeah. live on TV. Yeah. That is true. Um, and I do want to add on more to that. Not just 
him uh, those little lines he popped, but also the I like how he, when he starts off, he's pretty much saying like you know he's in this heel feud, he's in this feud with John Cena to where you give off the impression he hates him. I like he says, look, I don't like I don't hate you, I like you more than most guys in the back. And he goes into like personally, this is not that this is not about you. He just hate and I love how he goes. I hate this idea that you're the best, which rang true so much because yeah. around for, for me at that time, I I lost my interest in the in wrestling, poss- somewhere around 2009, when I think Cena had won for the budget for the when he was the constant being booked as a champion. And when Edge was also on SmackDown, I mean, I was in partially in and out, but I wasn't a hardcore follower like I was during getting into it. Like I came so close, like around 2011, I was not liking this product. Punk, who I liked from like the WWE ECW to him being on Raw and then seeing what they were doing with him on SmackDown, I was just like, "There's, there's nothing that these guys can do to get me back." And then I'm going. Then I'm at college, going on, going in the computer library, just going to check my mail. All of a sudden, I see in Yahoo, like one of their top in their top ten of uh, newsworthy, CM Punk pipe bomb. What? I click on that. I watch this, and I swear to God, it's like a fire was lit under me again. He said almost everything I did not like about where this company was going. This is kind of the first time I truly awoke as a mark, smart mark, honestly, because for the longest time, I treated wrestling as if it was just a show or a sports program that, you know, would give me entertaining stuff. And his whole thing about how John Cena has been been portrayed as the best, when honestly, we have seen better wrestlers than, than Cena. We've seen better talkers than Cena. We've seen guys who can carry the company almost better than Cena, but yet he's consistently being given the championship So to where you're going, like, is anything going to change? Then Punk lays that promo down and keeps going on. And then, of course, I love it when he turns it to the fans, where he says, hey, for all you cheer me, you're the biggest part for me leaving because you're one of those people who would hound me, uh, who would wait outside of the airport or a gas station Take whatever memorabilia you have, stick it in my face so I can sign it, and then you go sell it on eBay, eBay and make money because you're too lazy to get a real job. Yep. Like that spoke so hard to so many of the fans I have seen come across on on like uh, internet posts, like when or just at the, even though Reddit wasn't a re- even Reddit wasn't big, but those internet like those uh, those little blogs or those little corners of the internet that would just do nothing but waste their time but spout bull, bullshit at wrestlers, and yet they're willing to swallow their pride, or not swallow their pride, but they're willing to stuff their words just so they can get a photo with the wrestler or get something autographed so they can go, hey, this is what I got. How much do you guys want for it? You know? Yeah. So personally for me, this if it wasn't for this pipe bomb, I honestly would have lost my true interest in wrestling. And because if I had lost my interest in wrestling – I I would not have been interested in anything else. Uh, I would have I would because at the time, interested in a lot of sports from baseball, football, basketball because I was just transitioning from something different. Wrestling was like the, the last leg for me, and the fact that it retained itself it reinvigorated me. It got me back into wrestling again. It pushed me back into going to, to continuing with theater, 
and then from so on and so forth. To be truly honest, I mean, sure, I would have came across different avenues, but wrestling was the it was the, my main constant through this year. I mean, not this year, but throughout my entire life. So right. I owe all that to the CM Punk pipe for reinvigorating my love. And yeah, I'll stop. I tend to be going on. That's all good. No, but you're you're right. And like I said, there's there's so many the ones that really resonated with me. The shots that he took were were really like like you mentioned the one where he goes after the fans. And I've I've watched this promo and I've almost memorized it ad nauseum because it's it's so good when he talks about you know. Uh, uh, all you guys who are cheering me right now, you're just as big a reason than me leaving as anything else because you're the ones that are buying those collector cups and those programs that my face isn't on. And then at 5 o'clock in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it on my face so you can get an autograph and then go sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. That was one. The other one that really got me, especially at the beginning, was when he's talking about how you know he hates the idea that Cena's the best because you're not. I'm the best. There's one thing that you're better at than I am, oh. and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good at kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. And I don't know if you're quite as good as Dwayne. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Whoops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. And then, like, all of that just compounded upon itself. And then when he brought up Paul Heyman. Oh, my God. And hated since he started in the company because Paul Heyman saw something in him that nobody else wanted to recognize and just all yeah. of that pounding that's right itself. i'm a paul Heyman guy you know who else is a paul Heyman guy brock, brock lesnar and he split just like i'm splitting the difference between me and brock is that i'm leaving with the wwe championship and just like just one after the other after the other just all the the, the frustrations that not just he but the the fans had had with this company finally came out in that moment and it was it was a it was a, a it was a moment of collective catharsis for the entire WWE audience and it was awesome and you're right it reignited a lot of people's love for wrestling and a, a lot of people fell out of love with wrestling when he did uh end up walking away in 2014 but now Thankfully, in the year of our Lord, 2022, CM Punk is back in the world of professional wrestling and all is right with the universe again. Okay, so that was Ryan's number one. So, Brenton, what was your number one? Son of a plumber. Hard ah, times. Hard times. Nice. Ah. Good, good, good pick. Good pick. It was tough to decide between the two. Between Pipe Bomb and Hard Times, but I had to put Hard Times at number one because whenever I was doing just like, you know, whether it be indies or backyard wrestling or anything like that, when I first started out, to get me pumped up to get, you know, before I went out for a match, I would listen to that promo. Nice. So it, it just has a special place. Like, and, you know, it just, it's just such an infamous promo yeah. and it just, it gets you pumped. Like even if you're not a wrestling fan, like, cause I got, I've got friends that aren't wrestling fans, but I've shown them that promo and they're like, man, that, that him just like doing that just got me pumped. Mm -hmm. it, it just gets you going. Like it just gets you like, you're just ready to just go out there and conquer the world. 
after yep. watching that and hearing him talk. Yeah. And that, that was, I think that was a lot of Dusty's appeal is he, he was like the everyman. Like he wasn't the Ric Flair's who wore expensive suits or jewelry or anything and rubbed it in your face all the time. He was, again, he was the common man, you know, and he was the guy that you could aspire to be because if he was in a position where he could make this happen and he could achieve all this and win all these championships and this and that, then darn it. Why the hell can't I, you know? And it, it gave you that motivation. And I, I love that promo to death. Love and miss Dusty Rhodes. Um, just gone way too soon. Just a gem of a human being. Yeah. Um, this was, uh, this was a hard honorable mention for me as well. Um, it's just like with a few other I love it's it's really great promo. Uh best way of get not just a baby phase apart, but to get someone to relate. Yeah. And I mean, it's really feel for oh, you okay. sympathize with you. Oh, I'm just saying uh, looking at a couple of champions in the past and look at the men who are always in the main event. Vince, obviously, it, his tastes never fucking change on who he wants to see in the main picture. So someone like Dusty Size, who doesn't match the muscular physique uh, strongman that Vince wants to push, and seeing how he's able to get through, not just through, because he may not have muscles, but he, but he flexes so with the What? I see your, your audio is cutting in and out a little bit there. Oh, crap. Uh, maybe I should move closer. Uh, how about now? Can you hear me? A little bit better. Uh, I'll make sure I get my microphone next time. Uh, what I was mainly saying was Dusty does not have the same, like, he may not have the physical physique that Vince looks for, but he flexes in so many other avenues through his personality, using his body, uh, also with his heart and just his charisma. And it shows a lot in this as in this promo. He's using his charisma to really weed, to really tell the story of him being the son of a plumber. And he's using his personal experiences and the heart that is showing through this promo to get the audience to love him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, when it comes down to it, Dusty Rhodes, there will never be another like the American dream. But, you know. At least we got to experience him in the time that we had with him and, you know, bless him for it because he was he was truly unique. All right. So my number one, no surprise here, I don't think. Because uh, let's face it, it's to a lot of people, it's the standard to which a lot of promos are held. It's one of the most iconic for a lot of people, especially who came up in the Attitude Era. Um, yep. You know. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says, I just whooped your ass. So, I mean, it's, it's the promo that made arguably the most iconic character of the Attitude Era, that renegade, that badass that we all wanted to be, the guy who took no prisoners and just raised hell for the establishment and for no other reason than because he damn well wanted to 
He all he wanted to do was drink beer and kick ass. And if he was out of beer, well, then there was only one option left. You know, it was the it was the promo that took the all the potential that was there with stunning Steve Austin, you know, from the Hollywood Blondes and things like that, and finally allowed him to achieve that final form, as it were, in Dragon Ball Z terms, into Stone Cold Steve Austin and really cement him as the Hall of Fame talent that he is. And again, you look at the moments that it created, just jumping off from that, uh, you think back to when he was terrorizing Mr. McMahon, uh, had him in the ring with a quote-unquote gun to his head, pulled the trigger, and then he looks down and he goes, whoop. Hold on a minute. I think we got a new T-shirt here. McMahon three sixteen says, "I just pissed my pants." Yeah. Yep. So many good variations that have come from that, and again, not just the variations on Austin three sixteen or whatever, but just the the career that was built because of that moment. And the, the collective moments that came after are the main reason why I have that set as my number one. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I per- I would have had Austin 316 immediately on this list, too. That was one of the first things I, re- I wrote down. I wrote down Austin 316. It was just like earlier on, just researching so many promos and then looking at other articles and the list of promos they had for commonalities. This was one of the hardest ones I had to remove, but even then, you were right. This pure Austin Stone Cold winning the King of the Ring, playing cool as a cucumber, he just goes up there and just lays it in. And yep. and also, you talk about his his, his thing with McMahon. Even then, when he was earlier on as the heel, I mean, his highlight was Bret Hart. Just yeah. honestly, looking into Hart, like, if you think if you want me to describe the hitman, just put an S in front of it. I don't I don't know word for word, but I'm like, if you want my thoughts on the hitman, just put an S in front of it, and there it sums it up. I think it went something along the lines of if you put the letter S in front of the word hitman, you get my opinion of Bret Hart. Yeah, there it is. And and also, like the fact how Stone Cold, even after the time of the adjunct era, he built, taking the freaking word what and making it his thing. Uh... It's annoyance of the crowd. Whenever Stone Cold was using it, it was just like it's a yes and with Stone Cold when he did that. Just more like I went down and I won myself one beer. What? 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 Yeah. Just uh, the ultimate troll chant. Beers. Three beers. It's sad to where it, it, it went to now. Yeah. But the fact with Stone Cold with the chance he created of catchphrases, Austin three sixteen really is that uh, it, it it really is the rocket that's that that blazed his career into the stratosphere. Yep, Brenton, anything to add? I mean, yeah. Not only did it, it is the promo that skyrocketed Stone Cold's, you know what he you know would become, but also essentially, you know, for a lot of wrestlers, it. it it sets the standard of what a promo is supposed to, you know, what a promo should be. Yeah. The emotion behind it, you know, what, you know, comes, you know, what you take away from it and stuff like that. 
you know, I know it, it just it is, and it will always be synonymous. It always will be synonymous with, you know, WWE Stone Cold. You know, and it'll always be ranked as the top. You know, and, and in some categories or in some you know people's top tens, like in yours, it's ranked number one. And you know, it, it definitely should be in that t- in you know at least in the top spots. Um, and it is most definitely my favorite Stone Cold promo. Yep. As I would say for most other people, it is their favorite as well. Yep. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Those are our individual lists for the greatest promos of all time. Now, in some cases, we do kind of coalesce all of our lists into one, but we've already been going for a little over an hour and a half, and I'm pretty sure you guys are sick of hearing us talk by now. Uh, but very briefly, let's just go ahead. If there are any honorable mentions that we haven't necessarily covered on uh, our lists, why don't we just go over them kind of briefly here? So, uh, Brenton, we'll start with you. Are there any honorable mentions that we hadn't really yeah. touched upon through the course of our discussion? Um, Not really that I can think of. The only really one I've uh, the only other honorable mention I had was the whole Chris Jericho and The Rock going at it, or going, you know, giving it to Booker T, Rhino, and Stephanie McMahon. Nice. Yep. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. And we kind of we did kind of talk about that a little bit earlier. Uh, Ryan, yeah. I got a lot, honestly. Um, but I will just name a few that I'll name a few that would have broken into my list, or at least. If this was going to be a top 20, here's a, here's a few that I would have put in my top 20. Uh, Samoa Joe in TNA Turning Point 2007, when he cuts nice. uh, a scathing promo on the back, in the back. Um, another one is uh, Mark Henry's fake retirement speech. That was Good. on my other mentions. Yeah. I had um, Jake Rob. On his uh, promo towards the Million Dollar Man, his avarice, his greed. WrestleMania, yeah, nice. Um, this I have another one from Impact Wrestling from the Hogan era. It's Austin Aries uh, Option C promo. Another good one. Um, I had as a t- this one, this one I had collaborate together. It is Edge, Daniel Bryan, and Paige's retirement speech. Okay, yeah, all three of those were. were I, again, I wouldn't necessarily call those necessarily promos, but I can I can get where you're. I know they're, from. yeah, but even then, when you look at them, like just seeing that the three these three wrestlers, a lot of few of them get to have these opportunities to say their farewells in the ring, but with True. Brian Edge and Paige, the fact these three wrestlers or love the sport and the emotion the fans got from hearing that they that they will not see them wrestle anymore. I mean, now we could see Edge and Brian Danielson again, but at that time, at that time, you never yeah. thought you were going to see them again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, the last two I have here is uh, Joey Styles on his qu- his quitting uh, promo. Yeah. Oh. And this one... Just because this was the one time during Roman Reigns' push he was done right, his post-WrestleMania 33, this is my yard now. Ah, yeah, that short little yeah, that short little thing after his match with The Undertaker. Again, short, sweet, and to the point. Um, yeah, those were all great. Uh, the only one I really uh, – that I had on my honorable mention that we didn't talk about um, 
was, and again, I guess you wouldn't necessarily call this a promo because it happened uh, on Talking Smack, but when The Miz went off on Daniel Bryan. I had that too. Yeah, that was good. I had that too. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, that was awesome. Again, because it was on an internet show and none of it was planned, I don't think any of it was, because he, he didn't have anything going on that night on the show, and he just was like, put me on Talking Smack, I got some shit to say. And he just went off. So, uh, like I said, great, great promo there. And I, I, I wanted to put it on the list so bad, but again, because it wasn't an in-ring segment and it didn't really lead to anything, at least at the time, I was, uh, I was hesitant to put it on there. But, uh, but yeah, I'm kind of amazed none of us had the uh, the infamous Steiner math promo anywhere on this thing. I wasn't sure about that one, honestly. I was. I'm, I'm being. I'm being facetious here. I'm. I'm obviously taking the piss because let's but, face it. It was. But a all seriousness, I'm considering putting that on the list. <laughs> it was a fun promo, but let's let's face it. Scott Steiner has never exactly been a cunning linguist, you know. Yeah. But it's just so, funny because he was actually speaking truth on the math, which is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the funny. <laughs> that's thing. what made it even. That's what made it even better. It's even funnier. Yeah. All right, but once again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what are, are there any promos that you think uh, deserve to be on this list that you think that we missed? Let us know when you leave us a nice little review uh, about the show. Again, yeah, you can find us anywhere that you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor, all those good podcatcher apps. Awesome, awesome stuff. Just search us up, Wrestling Ramblings and Rages. Uh, leave us a review. Five stars is appreciated. But, of course, we're not here to just shamelessly shill for reviews or anything like that. Go ahead and uh, review, honestly. we we're, As wrestling fans, there's nothing more that we like than taking criticism. <laughs> but in any case, that's going to wrap it up for us here this evening, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Alongside my co-hosts here, Mr. Brenton McPherson and Mr. Ryan Payne, we wish you guys... A very nice day or night or evening, where whatever time it happens to be, wherever you're at. We will see you in the next one. And until that time, hey, ref, ring the bell, will you? <laughs>